0: to the next great small business podcast welcome to the SME stories podcast where it is all about small businesses in Canada and here's your host Ken Alfred hey everybody thanks for down the show we got a great episode today so today we're doing another solo episode today and the title of the episode is know your numbers now why are numbers so important well as anything for your whether it's your personal or your business small business whatever you want to call it you got to know your numbers so The reason why I created this episode is I think that a lot of, a lot of owners, a lot of small business owners, they know some numbers and we're not going to go through every single line item. So this is not going to be of, okay, uh, this is all the different revenue items and we're going to go through line by line. No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about some basic principles, basic things you should know about your business. And if you don't know it, then you need to look into your books and look online and confirm these numbers because this will help guide you as to know where you should focus your time. Because especially for a small business owner, you're all over the place. You know, like I mentioned before, you are juggling many balls. You're the chief accountant, you're the chief marketer, you're the chief cook, chief electrician, chief of everything. And uh, especially if you're a solopreneur, you're, this is the, you got to really know your stuff. So that's why today I think we're just going to focus on a few things. We're going to have three sections of this episode. We have one where we're talking about knowing your numbers. The first one is going to be knowing your revenue. Next one is going to be know your expenses, and the third is know your clients. So we're going to keep it very simple, but you know these these should be basic questions. So if I were sitting to down, if I was to sit down with you over coffee and I ask you some of these basic questions, you should know at least most of the answers to these ones. And if you don't know, then you need to really go research and look at your numbers to find out. Because the goal of knowing your numbers is one: should you continue doing what you're doing, or do you need to pivot or change something? Right, So we'll start with the first section here. So the simple one is know your revenue. So regardless of your business, service business, product business, combination of both, what is the product or service? If I'm sitting down with you at a coffee shop right now and I say, okay, so what's your biggest product or service that brings in the most money? You should be easily to say within the next couple of seconds, you can tell me what that is. So know what is your biggest sales item that you have. Next one is how much is it bringing in this year? Or how much do you anticipate it to bring this year? Okay, because obviously it could be seasonal. We know that. Uh, Especially if it's a if you're providing a service that's, say, snow removal. Obviously, you know, the revenues in the wintertime is going to be a lot higher. And then you're probably going to have very little to no expense in the spring and summer and fall. Okay, so now we know what product or sorry, what item brings in the most money. How much is it going to be? Is it going to be 2% more, 5% more, 10% more? What's the year over year growth? Did it go up by 5% compared to last year? So you need to know these, some of these numbers to know, okay, what's bringing in the most money right now to my company? So what is your, how much is it bring in this year that you anticipate? How much did it bring in last year? What is the average that it brings in per year? If you want, if you have some of that data, look over the last three to five years. And of course, there may be sinuating circumstances, but at least kind of know roughly on average, how much does this item bring into the company? What is the year over year growth? That's also another important thing. Obviously, you can go online, you can learn how to calculate all these formulas because I'm not, I'm not a math wizard. So I'm not going to tell you all the formulas of divided this over the rate of this. No, none of that. Next thing you should know about your revenue is there any cost that you're currently using that builds that product or service that you can reduce or remove? Okay. So it could be, I'm trying to be very generic here, but let's say if you're making, oh, you say your bakery when you bake a, you know, bread, for example, is there any ingredient there that you can maybe change just a little bit that could save you a bit more on purchasing these materials to build that product? In this case, we're talking about bread that you can either remove or reduce that you can either justify either increasing the price of your item or maybe reduces those costs that you can keep the price the same and your profit margins actually going to go up a little bit right? So we're not saying removing something like a chief ingredient or removing like a bunch of bolts or something if you build something. No, we're not saying removing that. But is there anything that you're currently offering that you could reduce or remove, right? And like I said, you do that, you have two choices from that. If you choose to reduce or remove something that builds that product or service, you have the choice of either increasing the price or keep the price the same and make sure you're making more of a profit margin per unit sold, Okay. That's something you need to consider. So also in terms of your revenue, well, we talked earlier about what is the one that's bringing the most money? Well, what is bringing in the least money? What is the lowest performing product or service? Right now, that might be a more difficult question. I think most people will tell you, oh, yeah, I know what sells the most. Great. What doesn't sell the most? Right. Should you focus efforts on these lower performing products or services? Should you remove them? Or should you maybe change the price or change the, yeah, change the price of maybe what they cost. If it's a product of service you really like, but it's just not selling well, and you still want to keep that as an offering, then maybe you could adjust the price so that you can still keep it and you will still more relatively comparable to what's out there in the market. So you you want to try to understand that. What is the lowest performing ones and either remove them or change the price, right? There's no harm in that. Because I think the challenge we have is that a lot of people, they like to say, They want to offer everything because they want to almost sell everything. They almost want to be basically like a general store, right? I use the example of, you know, if you take a look at Walmart, they sell almost everything. So when it comes to some smaller operations, like small business owners who want to try to not really compete with Walmart, but feel like they should be like a Walmart in that they sell everything just for the sake of you never know if someone's going to buy that very unique item that only you have right? So you got to understand, okay, you can do that, And same with services as well. Like based on my career, I used to work, like I said, when I work at the bank, I used to work on a section of the areas that was in consulting. Do you know, there's a lot of firms and a lot of them like to offer everything that you can possibly imagine. You know, trying to look at some invoices of some of these suppliers, I'm looking at them and it's like general product, like general services. What does that mean? What do they actually do? And you go to their website and maybe they might listed off a few, but there are some that says they can basically do almost every type of consulting you can imagine. So do you need to offer that service? If it's costing you to offer that product or service, whether it's materials to build a product that's not performing or more time and effort to develop a service or to service, you know, services that are not making any money, you got to really consider, do I need to, do I really need this or not? Because then I can allocate those resources into something else, which leads us to our next question here. Should I add a new product or service? Right. So that's something you should consider too, right? So you're saying, well, here's what's bringing the most money for the revenue. How could I increase my revenue? Is adding a new product or service part of that mix? I wouldn't say just add a product or service just for the sake of it. If you only offer, you know, two or three products or services, you know, we always say start lean. Like you heard the previous episodes start lean. You don't have to offer 10, 12 different services just to feel like you can do everything. trying to grab, open your net to try to catch as many potential prospects as you can, you don't really need to do that. If you can just niche a little bit and just try to land those ones first and then make your net a little wider, that might make more sense because then you can just really zoom in, laser focus on those couple of products or services and really do those well than to do 10 or 12 different products or services where you're not really specialized in anything. For every single line item of this, every single product or service you, you talked about here, Ask that, ask every single question that I just mentioned. How much does this product bring in per year? What is its year over year growth? Is there any cost that I'm using right now to build that product or service that I could reduce or remove to justify increasing the price or keeping the price the same? And is there any of these ones that are not performing and should I change it? So those should be some of the things you should look at every single product that you offer go through some of those questions just to find out if is it worth it to keep it. All right. So now we're going to move to the next section of knowing your expenses. Now, some of this maybe is very similar to what we did for revenue. Revenue's fun. Expenses are not fun, right? I think in a perfect world, all we talk, we just want to sit back on our couch and have all this money come following in. And we never have to pay anything back. Well, of course, that's not in reality. So let's think about knowing your expenses. So similar to some of these questions we have for revenue are going to be in the expenses. It's going to be okay. What's your biggest expense? Is it your least? Is your lease, are you doing a home office? So it might be your mortgage, you know, are you paying off the building that you're running your business in? So some of these different things, we know what are their biggest expenses, right? So a lot of them, you might not have a lot of control over. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, we all know what fixed costs and variable costs. So we know fixed costs are expenses that we're paying that are pretty much consistent every single month right? So the lease you're paying at a building, that's going to be there. Your mortgage is going to be the, that's the case as well. Maybe not now. Now they're changing the interest rate here in Canada. So your rates might go up a little bit, but just on on average, you should have an idea of what is your biggest expense, right? And aside from looking through your numbers and your expenses, what has increased year over year? Is it some of the materials you use? Has they gone up? Are fees that you're paying to a service provider going up? or year over year. So what's going on? So if it's your property taxes or your insurance that you're paying, is that going up for some reason? And then figure out, okay, what can I do about that? Right. So the next thing you can consider too, is a lot of your expenses, can you bundle them? I know it might seem common sense, but you'd be surprised how some people don't know about that, right? So if you're running your business now and you have internet, you have a phone, Landline or her cell phone or a tablet, or, you know, I'm just trying to think of some other ones that you have here. Or, yeah, this could even fall for some of the insurance that you pay, right? So you have your business insurance, which I always recommend you have. Business insurance. Do you use your car? And maybe can you use some car expense? So maybe you make sure you try to lump your car insurance into your business insurance. If you have a home office, so you can have a basic home insurance. In my case as well, ours, our property is, is a house but we have solar panels that we're selling the electricity back to the provider. So I have to make sure for my insurance that I include this as a small business. So I have that all bundled together. So lumping all your technology expenses, like your phone and internet, so that you're getting a better rate versus paying them individually in terms of, you know, I got this rate plan here and then this phone rate plan over here. But if you even bundle it up, even if it saves you maybe 2% a year, 3% a year, that's actually, it may not seem like a lot, but at least that's one less thing you have to worry about. Same with uh, your insurances as well. Like going through several different insurance companies, because some people might think that if they go for a particular service provider and they can get the lowest rate possible, they should stick. And if it means that this provider here, provider A is my car insurance, they give me the lowest rate. But then supplier B, which is my home insurance, they give me the lowest rate. Well, obviously talking to both providers, see who can actually give you a better rate altogether if you lump them all together should be something you should definitely consider about and go shop around too, especially if it's close to your expiration, you know, find out what's the better rate. We talked about lumping it in like insurances, technologies, and stuff like that. Well, what about, should you go with a new product or service supplier to reduce your expenses? That's something we do as well for my, even my day-to-day job. We might work with a particular supplier for many, many years, but one of the I always do is I try to do some benchmarking analysis. I shop around and ask them, okay, for this particular service or product that we, we at the bank have, can you give us some better pricing on it, right? So then I can use those benchmark analysis to find out the rate that we're paying in terms of what this supplier is providing us, is it comparable to what's out there, what we call on the street? Basically just means our other suppliers who provide similar products and services, is their pricing basically the same? If it is, then we know that, uh, okay, then the, the current supplier we're paying, we're, we're okay with. If it's not, and the suppliers on the street are offering the same type of service and product at a reduced rate, then maybe I should consider, you know, opening up an RFP or when the contract expires the a supplier, maybe move to a different one. So you never know. Right. So that's something you should, you should consider as well. So it's not just bundling everything up. It's to really check who your suppliers are. And are they giving you the, a comparable rate for what you need and the rates that you're paying? Are you, are they giving you the best price for it? Right. Now I'm not saying you just, you know, drill them to the bone and, you know, but at the same time, you want to make sure that knowing your expenses, you should know, okay, what are the opportunities we have to reduce expenses without, let's say, laying off people or doing anything like that? Because you know, we don't want to, do that. All right. And then obviously, when you take a look at the next one here for knowing expenses, is there any services that you're currently paying for that you could actually remove or reduce? Sounds very similar to the revenue, right? And I'll give you the example. So let's say you run a a small little shop, a small, small little business, and you have a, like a little waiting room area. You have a little lobby in the area and uh, you decide to have like, you know, some streaming service paying, you know, playing on your lobby, waiting for potential clients to come in. Okay. Now the question is, do you need to keep that streaming service going? Because you feel like, oh, well, I don't want them waiting too long while they're waiting for us, right? Like if they're waiting for their appointment, oh, I don't want them to be waiting too long because they might just get restless. And then our, our discussions with them is going to be a lot more challenging. Well, think about it. If you're paying, let's say whether you're paying live cable or You know, a Netflix or some streaming service at your place of business just to, you know, show that they have something to look at. Remember, does the client that you're potentially servicing right now, do they they have their own phone or tablet? Could they be watching their own thing? So, do you really need to be paying that big screen that's showing, you know, CP24 or or the latest news? Or should I just stream a bunch of movies? So, that could be something you can remove. You don't really need that right? Or maybe printing out paper invoices for some reason. I don't know why people still print for certain things. Yes. But if you can send them an e-invoice or an e-receipt, do you really need that printer to hard copy everything? You know, you can move things to the cloud. So, you know, maybe you can print it out somewhere else. So do you need to consistently pay for that printer or that paper for your place of operation? Maybe you don't need that. Hey, you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Moving some of these things, when you take a look at it, you can look at it in two ways. You can look at, at what am I paying monthly for this service? Or you can blow it up and say, okay, how much per year am I paying for this service? Because then you can really start to determine from that perspective, okay, does it make sense to continue having this service? And is this service helping in any way my company? So that's something you should consider. Third section here, know your client. Now, this is obviously very important as well. Knowing your client. Similar questions, who is your biggest client? We're sitting down, you should, if I ask who's your biggest client, you can tell me. Top two, maybe top three clients. Top five, even if you know many how much revenue did they bring in, let's say for the current year? How much revenue did they bring last year? So we talked about the year over year comparison. How much do they normally bring? How long have they been a client? If they brought in 80% of your revenue and they've only been a client for a year, wow, that's great. And if they are someone that's very consistent, that's even better. So you want to know how long have they been a client, right? Especially if you're new, obviously everyone's new. But if you've been doing this for a while, you should tell me how long that person's been a client. How much revenue do they bring into your company? There's a few other questions we have here. Did that client provide any referrals? Wow, most people think they know who their biggest client is and how much do they bring, but did they bring anybody else? Because people tend to refer people to places they trust, right? So at the end of the day, as formal as you can try to make this out to be, you only do business with people you like and you trust. So if I'm providing a great service to you and you know of people that are looking for similar services, are you going to tell them, Oh, yeah, go to Ken, or you can tell them to go somewhere else. So, how much revenue did they bring from provided referrals? So, if a client only gave you, let's say, 10 grand a year in business, and maybe depending on your business, that might not be a lot or that may not be huge. But if, let's say, the clients that they referred you to have brought in $30,000 to your bottom line or to your revenue, that's really good. So, even though you might have a client that may bring in 50K a year, to your business, but if another client who only gives to you $25,000 worth of business, but their referrals have given you almost $100,000 of revenue, as much as I want to make sure that $50,000 client keeps going, I want to make sure that the ones who gave me almost hundred dollars worth of referrals, that that client is being well looked after and well taken care of. Okay, so that's another thing you got to remember, right? So who's the biggest client? How much do they bring in by themselves? How long have they been a client? How did they provide any referrals and how much revenue do those referrals actually provide you? We got a couple more questions before we wrap it up here is how are you showing your appreciation to your clients? Like the big clients that's giving you the most money. Is it just a simple Christmas card? Are you giving them a fruit basket? Does that mean you have to really, like, I'm not trying to say you have to spend so much money on these clients. If you have the budget for it and you want to have a certain expense item that is your, you know, thank you gifts for your best clients. I mean, sure. Why not? But sometimes some of the most free things is, you know, just calling up to see how things are going and actually just making sure, like, is there anything that you can do to help their business? Whatever business they're doing, if they're struggling with something, and if you can help them in any way, shape or form, it doesn't have to be a financial thing, right? If, if for some reason you're showing your appreciation by saying your clients, that's giving you a lot of money, they're having a trouble with their, let's say, accounting. They don't know what's going on, right? Maybe you referring an expert that can help them Street like to clean up their business, something like that showing your appreciation is that you know, not just you're referring for the sake of referring, it works both ways, right? You're going to get referrals from them, and you should refer people that you think will actually help them. So, those are some things you can do after looking after their clients, making sure that having let's say monthly or quarterly calls with these with your biggest clients say, Hey, how's it going? Like, what is how is the relationship going? Is there any bumps that we're seeing? Is how did we deal with the bumps that we did see over the last month, the last quarter? right? The way I look at clients is that you might've heard in a previous episode that I think the small things that businesses have is that when they try to land clients, they try to land clients as, you know, that it's like a one night stand. They just want to get that revenue in. But I think we should really think about having almost like not looking at clients as a one night stand. And I mean, I don't mean to be too graphic on that, but how about we start looking at clients almost like a marriage? You know, some people call it strategic partnerships, whatever you want to call it, but think about it. If this client is making you money and you're trying to make sure that they're making their money, then that means you guys will be moving together. You're on the same boat. We both want to be successful. That's why when I work with student suppliers, I don't want to just, you know, make money from them. I want them to make money as well so that, you know, if I can increase my revenue and they increase their revenue, maybe they can add another service that I currently, I'm not using them for because I don't need it. Or maybe I didn't even think about using it. Then we can build that relationship. So instead of them just providing one service, if they provide a couple of different services that helps my business grow, why not? Always think about that way, right? Think about long-term partnerships with your clients. You don't want them just once a year, once a month. You want them to say almost any time they need something from you, you're there to offer it for them and you're growing that relationship and you're growing that trust, okay? Okay. That's one way you can show appreciation. Now, the last thing is a bit tough to think about. Can you survive if you lose them as a client? Now, that's a bit tough, right? Because as much as we just talked about, Ken, we talked about personal you know, relationships and partnerships. Well, what happens if you lose them? If your main client, let's say you're, let's say a $500,000 a year business. One client Provides eighty percent of your revenue. Now, as great as that is, I would almost raise a red flag because we don't know what's going. On. We need to make sure you know your client very well. So, aside from showing them appreciation, really being frank with them during these calls that you have with them monthly or quarterly or whatever, or even yearly, depending if you're that busy, to see how the relationship's going. But you need to understand too do I want one client to do 80% of my business? I probably don't want to do that. As weird as it is, you want that particular supplier not to be 80% of your business. You probably want to drop them down to maybe even half. As weird as that is, right, you want to make sure you don't just have one client, you have several clients. So if you have several clients that produce 80% of your revenue, 90% of your revenue, you lose one, then your, your hit's not going to be as big. But if you only have one, and they only do 80% of business, that is going to be a huge punch in the gut. If they declare bankruptcy, or worst case scenario, let's say the owner of that company passes away. Who's going to run them? Who's going to run the business? Right? So for some of these, if you look at some of these commercial properties you see nowadays, there's some plazas, especially in the Ajax area, that there's usually like what's called an anchor tenant. The one that, you know, kind of brings everybody in. So those anchor tenants are like a Walmart or a Home Depot, or a Costco. Some of those big box stores. When you go to this plaza, mainly people are going there for those big box ones. But you want to make sure that if those particular plazas, for example, has other bigger names. So that should a Walmart leave, should a Home Depot leave, should a Costco leave, they still have other places that are there that have a reason for people to go there. Same with your business as well. You want to make sure you're diversified enough. Now, I wouldn't say you try to have a hundred clients. All producing, you know, a couple of percent of revenue, I mean that's that's not gonna be very efficient. You want at least uh, my, my guess you probably want at least three to five that kind of build give you the most money, most revenue for your business. So at least one leaves, you still got another two to four that's still so you're you're not taking much of a hit. So that's a puzzle you should definitely consider. Can you survive if you lose them as a client? If you cannot then you need to increase your client base. You need to drive those sales to get clients to take that, you know, like I said, in case uh, this client leaves for whatever reason. All right, so just a recap of what we talked about for your revenue expenses and clients. Revenue, what product brings in the most? How much are they bringing in the year? What's the year over year? Any costs that we can currently build in that project service that we can reduce or remove? What are the lowest performing products or services? And should we remove them or change the price? Should I add a new product or service? All your revenue items, that's a question you should be asking. Every line item on your expenses, what is my business expense? Has the expense increased year over year? Can I bundle any of my expenses together? We talked about phone and internet or car insurance, home insurance, business insurance. Should I go to a new supplier for a reduced rate in the product or service that that I'm currently paying for? Can I remove any services that I'm currently paying for that really aren't necessary? And we talked about your client. Who is your biggest client? How much money did they bring in? How long have they been a client? Have they provided any referrals? And how much have those referrals actually brought into your business? How much revenue did those referrals make you? How are you showing your appreciation for a client? And can you survive if you lose them as a client? So some of those questions you should be thinking about when we're doing when you're running your business. Now, you don't have to do this every single day. I would suggest maybe you do this maybe a couple of times a year or maybe every quarter just to make sure. So if you need to pivot, then you have more time to, to do that versus only doing it once. And then you've already lost a year's worth of business because of that. So maybe in the beginning, you either do a monthly or quarterly or whatever, just so you get an idea of once everything is kind of stabilized, you don't have to review it as much. I would suggest maybe do this every quarter so you can see any fluctuations that are there. All right, guys, so that is it for this episode. I had a great time recording this one. I thought it was a very fun episode because it really makes you think. Like I said, we juggle 50 balls in the air, so it's kind of nice to at least focus on one section and really know your numbers. So guys, hope you enjoyed the episode, and I'll see you on the next one.